Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. We're going to fix stuff edition. I, I brought on a friend, Dan Rubenstein from the Solid Verbal, and I, I'll admit I'm sort of stealing his idea, but that I don't know. I'm also stealing my own idea because last week I had a couple of columns about what to do in terms of pressing the reset button in college football because the season's over. The offseason was a disaster. The season was handled as best as it could be. But a lot of kind of fissures in the sport were exposed. And so I had an, a, a few ideas about how to fix those. Uh, Dan, on his podcast, The Solid Verbal, he and his co-host Ty Hildenbrandt had a great episode last week about <laughs> other things you could do to fix a little more on-field type stuff, some recruiting stuff, but other things you could do to make college football more interesting, more fun, uh, more evenly matched. A lot, a lot of good ideas floating around. It's the off-season. It's time to talk about those ideas. So, Dan, welcome aboard. Thank you. And I'm not taking credit for any of this because it is the most common trope of, like, how to fix the NBA All-Star Game, how to fix the Home Run Derby, how to fix the Pro Bowl, how to fix the X Games. And I, I would imagine we're, like, the 57th college football, how to fix college football podcast, maybe of the year. Um we just, we happen to have built up somewhat of an audience and we got some really good suggestions. And here's the secret sauce. And I'm sure you adhere to this a thousand percent. There is no one thing that binds college football fans together nationally or internationally than this is how I would fix blank. Right. Because otherwise it's just like, Tennessee fans know more about Tennessee than you or I do. Minnesota fans know more. A&M fans know more. But what we can do is sort of put this into a bigger global perspective poorly well who's to say and we just do it more often than most people so this yeah. falls under our pur purview per my opinion well and the other thing is the the nba all-star game got fixed last year with the elam in there yeah. so it, it's fixed the draft yeah don't, don't need to do it again yeah. so we're, we they've got that's done we're gonna move on uh interesting that you brought up tennessee fans know more about us than Tennessee, and they do. I, I will they do. willingly admit that, but it's interesting because I spent a lot of Sunday uh, arguing with Tennessee fans on Twitter because uh, a lot of them are anti the idea of hiring Tony Elliott, the offensive coordinator at Clemson. And I would say right. Danny White is Tennessee's new athletic director. If there's a front runner for the football coaching job, that probably means that's not who Danny's going to hire. He's not usually a hire the guy everybody's talking about kind of guy. He likes to operate mm -hmm. in the shadows a little more. So it's probably not going to be Tony Elliott anyway, but I did not like. Well, they're the also not, but they're not competing with anybody right now, right? They're right. not competing. They're not in the marketplace as a major. So their leverage and their, the feelers can maybe be a little bit more direct. And you're right though, by the way, uh, we don't know as much about Tennessee, but I wouldn't not, if I were a Tennessee fan, I wouldn't want a consortium of Tennessee fans hiring the next coach. <laughs> no, but it was funny because I said, guys, you want to consider Tony Elliott because there's a lot of them that said, well, we, it's got to sure. be somebody who's been a head coach before. And I'm like, not really, because that over right. time doesn't really matter. If you look at the stats, it actually does not matter if you've been a head coach or not. So I said, you know, you, you should consider this guy because he'd probably be the successor for Dabo at Clemson. That that speaks very highly of him. And they said, no, sure. no, no. And, and, and I said, but think about it. Ryan Day, never a head coach before. Lincoln Riley, never a head coach before. They, they're doing okay. And they said, no, 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 no. Right. All of them said, no, 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 no. Those two were handed the keys to Ferraris. And then each Tennessee fan <laughs> had a different vehicle that they compared Tennessee oh, good. to. So we had a 2001 yeah. Dodge Durango. 
We had a Pinto. <laughs> we had like a 67 Roadmaster up on blocks. I mean, they, uh-huh. it, it was truly amazing. It, they seemed to try to one-up each other in terms of how just terrible the vehicle is to compare their, their program to. Have you seen the show, and I'm positive you have, have you seen, seen the show um, uh, American Pickers? I don't oh, know yes. what network it's on. Yes, I have. I, I would compare Tennessee, because this is going to bother me unless we can have this conversation. I would compare Tennessee to the discovery of maybe a recently deceased uh, car that was sitting in not great condition in a garage, had, had basically had amassed some rust, but maybe with the right TLC on the open market, mm-hmm. maybe with the right garage getting involved. New engine, this maybe could, some racing stripes. Yeah, I got you. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. New, maybe new upholstery. You know, it really needs to be gut fixed. But you get that out on an auction floor with the proper care, you can do some things financially. Yep. I think that would be where I'd go with like a, an old... Like Duesenberg, something that, that Jay Leno would <laughs> drive around. I, I'm glad you you instantly thought Jay Leno when you thought Duesenberg too. Yeah, but yep. So speaking of Duesenbergs, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about ways to fix college football. And I think one of the things that that hangs people up when we talk about this stuff is you get all these people who like who who want the sport to be like it was when they grew up, or or when their sure. gra- or when their grandpappy played it with no face mask and then drove home in his Duesenberg. Uh, it, it's not gonna. It's not like that. The sport is different already than what you grew up with. The sport that we're watching today in no way resembles the sport that I watched growing up in the '80s. And so, right. when we talk about these ideas, you need to think about them in the spirit in which they're intended, and that's to make the game more fun and more interesting. It is sports. It's entertainment. It's supposed to be fun and interesting. So that's why when we get to some of these ideas, and and one of these ideas. I love, and I really, this is one of your listeners who came up with this, mm-hmm. I think it needs to be implemented tomorrow, <laughs> but I don't know yeah. if it's going to be. But I want to start with, with something one of your listeners came up with, because I think it ties into what I wrote about last week. Uh, and the, the one from the listener, and, and she's one of our listeners too, Kimmy Lynn is her name, uh, great, great lady, loves college football podcasts, uh, came out to our live show when we did one in New Orleans before the national title game between LSU Same, and Clemson. Yeah. And she and her husband came out. They're lovely people. So a lot of these ideas are, are kind of pie in the sky. And I, I don't blame people for thinking of this that way, but they're not realistic. And this is one of those. Uh, Kimmy Lynn's idea is limit the number of five-star recruits each school can take. And I started laughing immediately when I heard this idea. Of course. Because you and I are both friends with Bud Elliott at, at 24-7 Sports. Bud mm-hmm. Elliott would own a super yacht if this rule ever came into existence because Bud would just take money from people to downgrade recruits. Like, yeah, of course, Alabama and Ohio state would have to pay him to downgrade dudes to four stars. Oh, absolutely. I also think if you limit the number of five stars that Alabama can sign and Clemson can sign and Ohio state can sign, you also have to pay Bud Elliott more because all of a sudden Think about how many communities that would care about recruiting would pop up on the 24-7 <laughs> exactly. network. Exactly. So all of a sudden, we have more five stars going to Arizona State and more mm-hmm. five stars going to Minnesota. I don't know why I keep bringing up well, Minnesota. The, the and more five is, stars he'd, going to Kentucky. He'd, yeah. he'd also be getting paid by those schools because those schools <laughs> want, would would want to sign more five stars. 
Whereas mm-hmm. Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson would want to sign fewer five stars. So, mm-hmm. you know, you got Kirby Smart throwing him some cash to downgrade Georgia's recruits and P.J. Fleck throwing him some <laughs> cash to upgrade Minnesota. It, it, what a booming business for Bud. And Bud doesn't have that many expenses. He has greens fees oh, and he grills fees. fish. <laughs> yeah, that's basically it, as, as per my understanding, and some diapers. So here's where it intersects Let's talk with, about it. Yeah. with what I wrote. And what I wrote is I tried to make mine as realistic as possible. I tried to make mine something that could actually happen. And what I suggested mm-hmm. is the schools need to move away from the NCAA, but just in football. So they could create rules mm-hmm. around football. This is the FBS schools. And I, I know people would say, well, why not just the Power Five? Because that's not what they would do. They would, they would move as the FBS. And, but you could create rules around football, just football, that didn't, weren't affected by anything else. And I, I think in a lot of cases, the schools within the NCAA, they don't want to make rules that are too big picture for just one sport. So if you take it out, and it's, it's, this is... This happens in other sports. You know, the NCAA doesn't not doesn't sponsor rodeo. It doesn't sponsor water skiing. There are organizations that have popped up to govern those collegiate sports, the collegiate versions of those sports. Uh, college fishing has a governing body. So that's the thing. You, you, the schools would be their own governing body. They already have the infrastructure for that with the college football playoff. And one of the things I said is, listen, if you're going to do this, I know you guys are all worked up about what these different state laws regarding name, image, and likeness, and you want a federal mm-hmm. law that kind of covers them all. You want overarching NCAA rules. So let's say you're in your own organization. You're creating your own, your own rules. There's a way to not worry about what the states do and what the, the feds do and probably get sued less. Probably get College taken- football island. Yes. Sorry, continue. Yes, probably get <laughs> taken to federal court less. And that uh-huh. is... The schools pay scholarships and nothing more. Anyone else can pay any player for any legal reason. That's it. That's the rule. There are no other sure. rules. And don't worry about it. And stop worrying about it. And, and everybody's like, well, Alabama and Ohio State would just hoard all these recruits. No, because part of the, one of the other rules I, I mentioned, and it's another thing that's actually going to happen, is the transfer rules changing. So that you can transfer and play anywhere you want right away. So if Alabama hoarded a bunch of recruits because you know the somebody was paying them on the side to, to walk on there, guess mm-hmm. what those people would do? They'd go to other schools when they didn't play. Yeah. It would all balance would. out. And, and the thing is, it, it would be kind of like Major League Baseball. It's it's weird. In one way, it's like a it's like a hard salary cap sport. It's like the NBA. Well, that's or the why NFL. I mentioned the salary cap yeah. on our show. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like the NBA or the NFL, where the scholarship is your salary you are allowed to pay, and that's it. LeBron James does not make what he's worth from the Lakers. No, but Nike makes no. him whole. <laughs> I was going to say uh, LeBron James is a Nike yeah. employee who plays basketball. Exactly. <laughs> Nike and Sprite yeah. make him whole. So that mm-hmm. would be the same thing in football. The, the ones who are worth it to the marketplace would be made whole by the marketplace. And right. so here's the thing. Here's where, but here's where it doesn't work like a hard ca- salary cap sport. Here's where it's more like Major League Baseball. You could play a little money ball if you're not Alabama or Ohio State. Let's say you're Iowa mm-hmm. State and you want a blue chip quarterback. Or you're SMU and you want a blue chip quarterback. Well, guess mm-hmm. what? You can have your people who are funneling money into 
NIL stuff, they can just decide to do it to that quarterback. And you get him. It's true. Here's the thing, though. One, do you, do you think that every blue chip player is a short-term thinker? Right, financially. No. Like, if you go to SMU, right. I that, do see, not. That's, right. And so you are wasting, not SMU specifically, but if you are making the, the wrong decision for the wrong reason, you're kind of just screwing yourself. And I'm not sure who is in the ear of players because I was, I mean, everybody likes to say this. You know, I was dumb when I was 17, but it's, like, it's already impossible to figure out what school to go to for you that best yeah. fits your game. Even, and, well, even you if you're know, just you a regular student, and, yeah. it's hard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the, the, issue, the issue with just looking at paying players or allowing players to, to get paid by whomever is it kind like it doesn't make Iowa any warmer. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why we're picking on well, Iowa. No, right? no. It does. Here's here's the thing, and I agree with you. you, you your short term, yeah. long term thing is is a real thing because Alabama, mm-hmm. I would argue, would have to pay less on the front end because oh, yeah. Alabama and Ohio State have demonstrated that on the back end you may get an eight figure payout as a first round draft pick. And that is the real money. None of this NIL stuff will come close to that. Being a first round draft pick will be worth infinite. Well, not infinitely. It's not infinite, but will be worth a lot more than any of this other stuff. Yeah. And, and the other thing too, is I don't know that people who are saying things like Alabama and Ohio state and Clemson to whatever extent are ruining the sport because they believe it. They just want to see their team yeah, playing bigger see somebody games. different. Exactly. And and it's Right. So they're not they're not looking and it's not it, it, to say that it's a bad faith argument isn't necessarily true, but they're not saying those things because they are the commissioner of the sport and looking out for the overall health of the sport. It's just a Cal fan saying, "I want Cal to have a chance at making the playoff." Yeah. And so if you give them a closer shot, a clearer path, sure. But we're also you, you mentioned that people are saying I want college football to be like it was when I was growing up. College football has always been dominated right, by the exactly. power schools. There was Nebraska when we so, were kids. Like people right. forget this. Nebraska won three national titles in four years when I was in yeah. late high school, early college. Like they were amazing. They destroyed everybody. It's it just yeah. it just so happens this, this way. It's, People want college football. This is the thing that's always been very confusing to me. People want college football to be more like the NFL, and I that never really rang true to me. They want it to be more like baseball, or more, well, they, they like, do you want to make it more like European basketball, where you're only allowed a certain number of Americans per squad? Yeah. Like, do you you can only have five Texans on every <laughs> Texas or Texas A like and M team? That okay. So if you want to talk about fun ideas, you're turning it more into high school football. Which now we're on to something <laughs> where we start getting fake addresses. And just you have to be living in a state for a certain amount of time. Like, well, technically they lived on the the Kansas side, but went to high school in Missouri. Wow! Like that's when you start getting oh, fun. That's, that, that is when you limit that would the really, state commitments. If, if Kansas and Missouri start playing football again, that would make that rivalry yeah. unbelievable. See, oh, imagine, imagine oh, if Georgia, you were a top Georgia, Florida player. State would be amazing for for the Thomasville talent alone. <laughs> yes. Think about the border towns that Texarkana 
I mean, there's there's all sorts of towns around the country that all of a sudden we're, we're dealing with huge, weird, logistical, like, yep, he was suspended for the first four <laughs> games because he lived in the wrong state or claimed to, like, he used his uncle's address. I mean, think about the recruiting. I mean, this is more money to Bud oh. Elliott as well. Think about Texas only has five spots. Every school has five spots to use on in-state talent. So not that it really affects Alabama, not that it really affects, you know, Ohio State, because these are national programs at right. this point. But the the schools that produce, like Georgia and Texas, oh, yeah. have, Florida, Florida State, Miami. Think about the drama involved in early offers to oh, players in their state. It would be unbelievable. And, you know, you're right. The the amount of dummy apartment complexes or, or yep. apartment complexes that are just rented out for families. There was a rumor in the state of Florida, and I won't name the high school because I don't know if they ever were caught or it was proven, mm -hmm. but this school allegedly had some apartments at this one complex near campus because campus was in a pretty ritzy area of town. And so the, mm -hmm. apart the apartment complex was lovingly referred to as Baller's Arms. <laughs> I mean, you'd get IMG in every single state to yeah. try to figure out workarounds for for uh, getting citizenship or state oh, or whatever. It would, it would be like uh, it would like it'd be like paying taxes. It'd be like it, you're establishing residency yeah. in the state that has no state income residency. tax, essentially. Dan and I will be back with some more potential rule changes. One of them: just how bad do you want to punt? Would you be willing to give up a point to do it? Yeah, so every time people want to go and turn college football into the most professional sport, I say go the opposite direction. Well, let's, that, let's that's what's that funny to me bag. is you want it to be from a competitive standpoint like the NFL, but then every time somebody tries to move the postseason closer to what the NFL's postseason look like, they're like, I don't, don't right. do that. I don't want it to be the NFL. <laughs> so as, as I don't, there's, there's no good. The best solution I have, and maybe this will go into another fix it, um, is and I I think this makes almost no sense, but I think it's possibly fun. I want the BCS and the playoff, both. <laughs> I want a national championship game isolated. I want to devalue the national championship <laughs> right? and revalue a playoff system because right now the playoff is is pretty deeply flawed. So the and but the playoff system is for the playoff champion and not the national. The national champion will be just this game we play between number one and two, and then there's going to be a tournament. So you're essentially yes. creating the NIT. I'm creating the NIT, but we're isolating two teams that are so far and like how many years do we actually feel bad for number three? I don't I don't feel that bad. You know, if if you can go undefeated in a power five conference, you're probably going to make the national championship game. Right. I mean, we yeah. had like the 2003 Auburn situation. I know it happens. Or excuse, yeah, 2000, 2004. My years, right? 2004. 2004 with United States Senator Tommy Tuberville. Um <laughs> But Golf Week I, National I Champions. There, Golf Week declared them the national champion. <laughs> I think there is something too. And again, this makes very little sense. But if we want to be more inclusive and if we want more parity but still reward good teams, I think I'd watch three through ten. I, and do it before well, the national championship game. So you're not you don't feel like you know the NIT is after the NCAA tournament. And that's that's my solution. That is silly. Well, it's interesting because a power five AD did pitch this to me probably three weeks ago. A 12-team playoff, specifically for the reason you just suggested. Put the big dogs in their own weekend. Have them uh -huh. not playing. and just Because the weekend where 5 through 12 play, 5 through 12 are probably pretty evenly matched. 
those are probably pretty mm-hmm. great games. I mean, that's and that's what that that person was saying yeah. is that's four great games that people are going to want to watch. Put it on Fox, who will definitely overpay for it, <laughs> no doubt, because that's what that's what they will do to compete. They'll start it a week after the conference championship games. No break. Um, or maybe you got to give players a break because of finals or whatever. So figure out the scheduling. But you have to usurp the college football playoff. If people are sick of Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, and whatever lightning in a bottle team, whether it's you know Oregon, Clemson, Georgia, or Oregon, Georgia, Florida State, whoever, uh, LSU, that's how you isolate. And you put a lot of money on the table. Players playing a minimum number of snaps get a chunk. So you, if opt-outs are an issue, suddenly you can get a nice little bonus before oh, yeah. you go to the draft. Yeah. So my system, I don't my know, system make it fixes opt-outs money too event. with appearance fees. Yeah, that's great too. I'm all about it. All right, let's let's move on to the field because it, the, the one I want to talk about is by your listener Andrew, who's not me, even though my name is Andrew. But I, I wish I'd have thought of this. I love this idea so much. I want the competition, well, it's not the competition committee, it's the football oversight committee in, in college football. I want them to put this in right freaking now. If you punt, you are charged <laughs> one point. You must, it, the other team gets a point yeah. if you punt. I love this so much. I could not love this idea anymore. <laughs> Your co-host Ty wanted to marry this, wanted to leave his wife for this idea. I, I hmm I don't know if I'm willing to go that far, but I, I do love it. <laughs> I, I'd probably keep it on the side if I had to. Uh, so I, I went and did some some homework because I, I was curious about how this would affect a game. Because I'm of the opinion that certain teams are so bad that they should never punt. That the only yeah, chance they have is not punt. And that's obviously the Kansas Jayhawks. So let's talk about the Kansas-Oklahoma game. The Kansas-Oklahoma game this past year, Oklahoma won that game 62 to 9. If Kansas had decided to punt under the new rules where you lose a point or you you give the other team a point every time you punt, the final score would have been 71 to 9. So who cares? Or you could just try. And so yeah. and, and 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 there's also the 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 added benefit of we know your coach has quit on you and doesn't believe in you if he just gives the other team the point and punts. Just try. Try the the yeah, object is not to lose by as few points as possible. The object is to try to win the game. This would incentivize teams to try. It would well. First of all, if my math is correct, you're talking about twenty five percent more plays usually. Yes. By taking the full four downs to try to advance the ball correct. ten yards, your players are getting more reps. Your players feel that the coaches are, have more confidence in them. Younger players are getting more confident. And if you're a program like Kansas, who I don't think there's... Is there another program, a Power 5 program? I know UMass has been down for some time and has been very bad. But in terms of Power 5, like Oregon State bounced back. Rutgers showed a, a feistiness this year because Greg Schiano is a very good coach. And New Jersey has players and he was good at convincing transfers to show up. Les Miles isn't doing that at Kansas. Kansas literally has nothing to lose because they've lost everything already. Right. So you have to, like, Les Miles was, like, the least zag of a hire. So he has to do something on the field. And that was, is it Kevin Kelly, who's the high yeah. school coach? Yeah, in Arkansas. Never Pul- puns? Pulaski Academy. You have to do something. You have to try something. You can't just say, well, we're going to mine the JC ranks and run some RPO stuff. Like, you're so far past that at this point, if you're Kansas or any other long down program, that you just have to play. Well, and it- the punting thing is... 
you want to punt inside the five? Okay, that's fine. It'll cost you a point, but that's better than costing you two or seven. So I get that. That's an understandable move. But if you're tied in the second quarter and it's third and six from your own 39, why not just try to get six yards? Absolutely. And, and it's football. Now, I would even be willing to, to give teams one punt per half, one free punt per half. Okay. I think that would be fair. But, and then you'd think about a game like the, the Alabama-Florida SEC championship game. I, I went back through it. I don't think this rule would have changed much about that game. But in a game where you're not punting very much anyway, it does change the math at some key junctures. And mm-hmm. I think that would make it very interesting because I, I want I want defenses to... Because that's the thing. Everybody's like, well, all the rules favor the offense. Yes, because that's what we like. <laughs> we like yeah. points. We don't like 9-6 games. So... Mm-hmm. I like the idea of the defense on their heels at all times. Like they, they have to, and but if they get a stop, that's unbelievably huge. It's a fourth down stop means yes. so much more now. If you're watching, if you're a Pitt fan and you're watching Pitt NC State or whatever, and NC State is gashing you on the ground, and it comes to fourth and two at midfield, if you're a Pitt fan. Is there a more joyous feeling than oh, the punt no. team taking the field well, I, when you're being gashed on the ground constantly and a team punts on fourth and short? It's the best I'll when gi- teams are that I'll dumb. give you the best example of that that ever happened. In a game where neither defense could stop it, either offense, really, that the USC-Texas Rose Bowl, stopping mm-hmm. Lindale White on fourth down for Texas won them the game. You can, you can talk about all the stuff Vince Young did, but if Lindale White doesn't get stopped on fourth down, Texas doesn't win. It's completely true. And it's like punters are people and Pat McAfee's great and Rich Eisen's great and all of that stuff is fun. But it actually makes a great punt that much more valuable as well. You get if you have who's the Texas punter was Michael Dixon was the Texas punter who was incredible and J.K. Scott at Alabama. So then suddenly those guys booming 58 yarders that bounce out at the three. They are rock stars beyond all belief because well, and, they're making the best of a limited opportunity. Well, we're also not throwing those guys out of the game because one of the ideas no. that, that I have pushed for a long time, and actually Greg Schiano was the one who gave it to me back in 2011 after one of his players got paralyzed. Uh, mm-hmm. I've always I've said for a long time, get rid of the kickoff. I don't think the kickoff's a good uh, good for the game. You can replace it, and I think you should replace it with a punt. With a, with a scrimmage kick, which you could also run a play if you wanted to. That would be your, mm-hmm. like your version of the onside. But that way you keep the punter in the game. Because I think I do think the punter is a legitimate weapon. I think the punt sure. is a better play than the kickoff. The punt return is a more exciting play than the kickoff return usually, especially the way it is now, because they've, they've essentially legislated the kickoff return out of the game because it's unsafe. So right. let's do that. And then that way the punter is still useful. Mm-hmm. He's still got stuff to do. And yeah, you can trot him out there every once in a while. And look, if your punter is a mes- is, is a major weapon, then yes, flipping the field is worth a point to you. That's okay. Yeah. And now I want to I want to combine that with another one. You guys, talk it also to- makes the ends of game. It makes the ends of games so much better. Oh, like watching yeah. the end of Coastal BYU, where I think Coastal decided to punt and it worked for them. That was sort of infuriating. So if we have all of these extremely high leverage fourth and threes at the oh, end of games, make it happen. you can't turn it off. It's the best. Oh, it's it, it, the drama would be incredible. But I want I yeah. want to combine this with another thing y'all talked about, and it's something that, mm-hmm. that it was a big deal in the playoffs in, in the NFL, and and it was something that came up last weekend: the fumbling the ball out of the end zone. 
Uh, mm-hmm. I think it is too much. I think it is unnecessarily cruel to give the other team the ball at the 20. However, I still believe you should give the other team the ball because the end zone is sacred. The mm-hmm. rules regarding the end zone should stay the same with the exception of the... Tw- because, you know, we, we go willy-nilly about how far we want to bring the ball out because if we get a touchback on a kickoff, it goes to the 25. If you get a touchback on a punt, it goes to the 20. So right. since, since that's not sacred anymore, <laughs> I agree with our friend Spencer Hall. If you fumble, fumble out of the end zone, the opposing team gets the ball at its own one. And now your defense has a chance to earn it back. Yeah, and maybe earn back a, a weird extra point mm-hmm. because they're going to punt from the one if you get the stop. So you get a point out of the deal using yeah. our previous oh. rule. Yeah, there's something I used to hate. What what happens is everybody eventually has a player on their favorite team fumble out of the end zone as they're running and reaching and it works out terribly. And so everybody's then convinced that this r- rule is terrible. I like the idea that the end zone is sacred. I like the idea that certain parts of the field matter more. And so I have come around because, and I mentioned this on the show, that it was Cameron Colvin in 2007 Mm -hmm. as an Oregon fan. He lunged against a a good Cal team, a good Deshaun Jackson Cal team, lunged, and the ball came out as he was lunging uh, after catching a ball from Dennis Dixon to either tie or win the game. And so since then, I've been like, you know, this rule is BS, whatever. But with time and the benefit of hindsight, I like the idea of like a capture the flag mentality that a certain area is you have to be better here. If we're going to use red zone stats and green zone stats and points per scoring opportunity and all sorts of advanced stats, the end zone matters. The end yeah. zone is mana. But I, I, think, like I, I think possession is the ultimate penalty. Sure. Possession plus 20 I'm yards okay is, is just cruel and unusual punishment. It's comfort. And for, for a defense, a lot of the time doing very little. Sometimes the ball just slips out of a hand. Sometimes somebody, you know, drops the ball before they cross the end zone and it dribbles out of bounds. Sometimes somebody gets strips and you have like a, was it Don Beebe, that kind of yep. moment. Um, that's great. But 20 yards now, oh, and, and the ball? And this this changes the math too because if the defense recovers in the end zone, it is a touchback. Yes. I'm okay with that. Yeah. All right. Good. I'm okay. That that's a football move. Yeah, I'm fine with all of this. I like this. I, I we've we've made a better game, Dan. We didn't even get into. I, I think it was yeah. it was Ken, your listener, who suggested that whoever scores the touchdown must kick the PAT. I, <laughs> I, I think you and Ty went a little too far on that one because have you ever tried to kick an extra point? Uh, a long time ago on the Rose Bowl field, but I, it, I've never tried to kick it with a with you people. Know, yeah. Uh, with uh, I was trying to think of uh, Ashawn uh, yeah, Robinson, Robinson trying yeah. to block it up the a gap. Yeah, my thinking is people who practice that semi regularly are going to hit that probably eighty five percent of the time. The the, the okay. kicker kicks it ninety five to one hundred percent of the time, uh, which is why the NFL moved theirs back. You, mm-hmm. you guys mentioned Ron Dane, who scored seventy one touchdowns or something like that, and how many would he have made if Ron Dane practiced? PATs every summer, he would have made 90% of his PATs. Okay. But here's the thing that we also mentioned. Ron Dane has taken 57 hits in a game. <laughs> so in the fourth quarter, is it, he has yes. a high... The block, right. the block factor becomes interesting because can they get it up high enough so it yeah. doesn't get blocked? And it's also... You, you have a kicker doing nothing on the sideline, but taking his, you know, step, 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 and then 
running in and kicking, or not running, but stepping up and kicking the ball. His timing is precise. You lose that if you are Ron Dane with three minutes left in the fourth quarter at the end of an Iowa game where your legs are tired, you're woozy, um, you are trying to kick it over the hands of defensive linemen and linebackers. I think we get weird knuckle kicks at the I, end of I think, games. I think if, we just get more two-point conversion attempts. That's uh, All yeah, these that's things do, by me. whether it's the one point for the punt or, or every, it's just changing the math. It's just changing the, yeah. the expected points for that situation. Mm-hmm. And so I think if, if I'm a coach and I'm not sure how good my skill guys are kicking, I, or I feel like they had a weird week of practice kicking, maybe I go for two every time. Yeah, I would be great. I mean, that's the, the Kevin Kelly, Pulaski Academy, whatever mindset of just all gas, no breaks. I think there was an old Chip Kelly on the Eagles clip with, I think it was Riley Cooper, where Riley Cooper runs up to him and says, uh, what do you want to do here? What do you want to do? And Chip Kelly says, score touchdowns. What the F do you want to do? <laughs> like, we can be a little bit more direct. We can be a little bit more aggressive. And I understand why coaches aren't. But everything that we've discussed on the show is about eliminating routine. The routine mm-hmm. of Alabama always having the best players and Ohio State always having the best players. The routine of a punt not ultimately mathematically meaning meaning all that much. The routine of two-point conversions not being used at the end of a game in you know somebody's kicking an extra point to tie instead of one play to win it, which all of a sudden the calculus changes if it's a defensive tackle who fell on the ball in the end zone right. to go down by one late and has to kick the extra point himself. So, I think I think fixing the sport isn't about thinking the sport's fundamentally broken just that there is a routine to the sport that takes away from the best of the other parts. Right. What we are doing, for the most part, now, the part with the money is more about, in my mind, a fundamental fairness thing. The the players deserve the right to make it, and and I don't think it should be allowed to to keep them from making it. So that's different. But all the other stuff we're talking about, you're right, is breaking routine, is taking out the boring parts and adding exciting parts. And there's nothing wrong with that. No, there's nothing wrong with that at all. I just, I've always thought, I mean, the, it's the postseason. Did you have any thoughts on the scheduling stuff, that scheduling should be normalized? And no. That, you know, See, maybe I, either everybody I, plays I an FCS an team or nobody does. college football. I think arguing about scheduling is part of the, is, sure. is a feature and not a bug. I really do. Because it, it gives people something to complain about, to argue, to debate. And the debate is probably more woven into the fabric of college football than it is any other sport. Sure. So yeah, I, I see. I'm I'm good with haphazard scheduling for the most part. I don't love conference scheduling. I don't know if you've read Bill Connolly's pod proposal. He's basically saying everybody should only play. I think three annual teams right. within their conference, and then everybody else is cycled. And that's why was it last year well, when that, Georgia there, played there, there A&M a, for the first time in like nine years? Yeah. Well, th- there is a real push in the SEC for that to happen. Like that yeah. is there. There are teams in, or schools within the SEC that want that to happen. They, they, they don't like because uh, I'm trying to think. There's there's a set of teams that have not played yet on each other's campus. Okay. The A and M hasn't played somewhere yet, or somebody hasn't played at A and M and won't play there until 2024. Like it's insane. A and M joined the league in 2012, and so right. the pod system would allow everybody to play at every stadium in a four year career. And, and does anybody have more than three mandatory opponents? Really? Not really. I think there's a. I think there was one or two, but there's also some that, that need to come back to being more regular. Sure. Like Florida and Auburn used to play every year. 
Florida and Auburn yeah. should play every other year or twice every four years. Like that, they need to be able to do that because it's not right that they only see each other once every five or six. It's well, and the big thing with that too is we need to develop new bad blood. We need yes. I forget who the <laughs> Auburn kicker was who. Chomp. I mean, so many kickers chomp after yeah. beating Florida, but who was uh, the Auburn kicker? I believe kicker? Link- Lincoln was his last name. He's from Ocala. Okay. Or maybe he's from Fort right. Lauderdale. Yeah, yeah. We need that to happen, and then we need a, fine, we'll see you next year. Yes. Not, fine, we'll see you in three of the next 14. <laughs> like, right. that, ne- it needs, we need the new, we need Oregon State and Arizona State, two teams that I don't believe have any sort of significant bad blood. We need Jonathan Smith and Herm Edwards jawing at the end of a yes. game. Like Gary Patterson and like, was it Art Bryles who did it for Baylor? Like, we need new bad blood in the sport because everything else that's big in the sport is routine. And it's exactly. Alabama, it's Ohio State. We need the new bad well, blood. And, and I, like, I like that. Like the Florida-Tennessee rivalry in the 90s, would not have existed if not for the SEC right. moving to divisions. Like, if you go back and look at the history of it, Florida and Tennessee rarely played each other despite being in the same conference. And then, then suddenly, while both of them are getting really good, they become annual mm-hmm. rivals. And that was mm-hmm. huge. It was great. But I, I agree with you completely. You keep the ones that are your longtime, you hate them, they hate you rivals, and you play them every year. And then everybody else, you kind of rotate, and you're right. It will create that new bad blood. It will create those new rivalries that that will be more exciting. Yeah. I mean, it's college football can be changed. College football has been changed. Florida State and Penn State joined conferences after not being in conferences forever. Like, these things can happen. It's slow, and there needs to be impetuses. Usually, it's it's around TV money. But we're going to get to a point where no people are just going to – because. I'm saying like a thousand different things at once. We're going to get to a point where mainstream fans are going to stop watching the sport and mass more and more. So if there's reason to suddenly like, oh, I remember these two coaches or A&M LSU going to seven overtimes and there being some sort of crazy fight at the end of the game, that's going to actually pull people into the game. Like the human emotion of the sport, not like, okay, these two teams are in the national championship. I don't know anything about Iowa. I kind of know Florida's a power, but now that college football has parity, I'm going to watch it. No, it's it's the actual like and literal fisticuffs that are going to bring people to the sport. Absolutely. And it's it's change. It's different. It's, it's not the same thing yeah. over and over again. And that's what is pushing the casual fan away right now is sameness over and over yeah. again, the same thing. We'll be right back with Dan Rubenstein from The Solid Verbal here on The Andy Staples Show. Dan, I had a list of, of potential commissioners for the sport, and it was a, an illustrious oh. group of people. I had Nick Saban on there. I had Gene Smith on there. Uh, I had Trace Armstrong mm-hmm. on there, who's a you know powerful coach's agent, but was a great player and was a uh, the president of the, of the NFLPA. I played so. with him in Tecmo Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean... <laughs> Very good list, but you know what? I'm going to add one more person to the list. I'm adding you. Okay. Please don't. I do not want this. I actually, I will take a golden parachute. I will be very bad, <laughs> but I will get Larry Scott's agent, and I will go from there. Uh, I, ooh, ah, I have some ideas. I would just hire smart people and nod my head a lot. That's. I'm the, trying to think who would actually make a good college football commissioner. It's. I think Saban, honestly, because you know, think about Saban and and rules. Okay, they make oversigning rules right. to yeah. stop Nick Saban. Has he stopped signing top-rated classes? No, he has not. Uh, they, they, you know, they change the sport so that offenses are much better than defenses. He complains about it publicly, knowing that won't right. work. 
privately changes everything about his recruiting operation so that he can have a better offense than everyone else. It's, I mean, that, that's the guy I want because it doesn't matter what happens. Somebody's going to throw a bunch of crap at you and you're going to have to deal with it. He seems better mm-hmm. at figuring out how to deal with the crap that gets thrown at him than anybody else. What about Chris Peterson? I actually think he's less flexible. You know, he he you think freak, he's less flexible. Okay, he, he freaks out because the transfer portal. Yet he has no problem signing a transfer quarterback. I don't. That's I don't, true. I forgot I about that's that. That's not what I want. That's that's not the kind of thinker I want. You're right. No, I just he's he's not with a job, and I've always heard <laughs> he's very bright and he's very organized. He, he is upright, uh, moral, and he's, organized. I I love all that right. about him. I love all those qualities about him. But, but he, he right, but he is rigid. He is. He does have. Too, some, he is not rigid. an elite takesman. <laughs> I want. I want someone who is flexible. Yeah. Um. I mean, that's why I guess Bill Hancock keeps finding himself in charge of things he said would never happen. He's flexible. Well, he's always he's always there's, there's a difference the between okay. being being the PR guy who says the thing you're paid to say. That's that's a little right. bit different. Oh, totally. But I just yeah, you need you need you need that flexibility. Yeah, you need to see three. What about who's the Alabama AD? Is that Greg Byrne? Greg Byrne. Well, he might. It, it depends on if he can beat me out for Pac-12 commissioner because I am I have thrown my hat in the ring. To be the Pac-12 is he, is he Has his name come up? Uh, his name has come up quite a bit. I don't think he is Interesting. lobbying for it personally, but it's one of those, if they call, I'll take the call kind of situations. What um, is the actual Pac-12 realistic solution given where the conference is in terms of how it gets better? Because I, I'm pretty mixed. Like I thought Larry Scott was criticized correctly for a lot of things, but... If USC makes, I, I forget, did USC lose to Wazoo randomly with Sam Darnold? They, I think, could have made the playoff. They, 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 didn't they lost to game. Wazoo, but this is this is where Larry Scott comes in on right. a Friday night after a yeah, Saturday yeah. night road game. Yes, no, the scheduling was terrible. The scheduling was completely awful, and it was a, a bad system for scheduling in place. I'm just curious, like. Larry Scott didn't make Arizona hire Kevin Sumlin. He didn't make Oregon mm-hmm. State hire Gary Anderson. No, and, he didn't and, make, you know. Well, my, my thing about, well, he kind of did by by creating a network that didn't actually pay out any money. Uh, Fair. Putting the, the headquarters in the most expensive place in America. And stuff. I mean, let's look. Totally, totally reasonable. <laughs> the SEC Criticism office is in Birmingham. The Big 12 office is in Irving, Texas. The Big 10 office is in Rosemont, yeah. Illinois. They're choosing suburbs. Well, SEC's downtown, but it's Birmingham, so it's not that expensive. But they're choosing right. suburbs for a reason. Because it, like mm-hmm. the Big Ten office is where it is because it's near O'Hare. People don't even have to get hotel rooms when they come. They right. just fly in, meet, and leave. It's all about cost savings. And so Larry didn't do that. But the part that Larry couldn't control, and I always thought it was unfair that Larry got killed for this, is he cannot make people care. He cannot make right. Oregon State fans... Cal fans, Stanford fans, Arizona State fans, Arizona fans care. It cannot just mm-hmm. be USC, Washington, and Oregon's fans caring. That that is the yeah. if, if those people are the only ones who are going to care. Well, guess what? That you're you're stuck. And that's why I had somebody yeah. yelling at me about John Swafford the other day on Twitter and saying, "Well, how come Swafford doesn't get criticized for the the TV deal he make?" I'm like, "What deal was he supposed to make? He doesn't have yeah. Alabama or Ohio State like." They, they don't have that. They can't sell that. And so, yeah, if you're the Pac-12, I think the, the problem is, and, and I've argued about this with people who, you know, as they 
talk about whether they want to throw their hat in the ring for the commissioner job. Yeah, there's some wins out there because you're not Larry Scott. But the ultimate win, which is getting a really good TV deal, I don't know that you're going to get because right. for the most part, your fan bases don't care like the other fan bases care. Yeah, you have to have... You have to have a USC in the 2000s mm-hmm. that trans that, that's a big national sports story. You have Snoop Dogg and Will Ferrell on the yeah. sideline. You have Reggie Bush ripping off huge runs in their biggest games, right? It's it's not just having this huge famous team. It's performing when you go to Virginia Tech, when you, you play against exactly. Arkansas, when you play yeah. against Auburn. And so USC fans care. Oregon fans care. And Oregon had, you know, they have the uniforms. They have this amazing Chip Kelly system that, you know, national recruits wanted to play. And so, like, people were watching their games. People were watching their bowl games. And they actually, they made it to two national championships with, you know, Chip Kelly and Mark Helfrich. And so, the Pac-12, being in the time zone that it's in, they need to do more, right? It just means more. It works for the SEC. But we we just need more from the Pac-12 because of the time zone thing. Because, as you're saying, Utah fans love Utah. But what is the Utah footprint nationally, alumni-wise, compared to even like Michigan State? Oh, that's even that's, State. that's like, the part that people don't understand about the Big Ten. Like the Big Ten makes more money for right. more money than the SEC off TV, and will continue to as the as the contracts go, because their fan bases are massive. Their living alumni bases are massive. These are huge mm-hmm. old state universities. Like mm-hmm. that's why. You can't. Well, that's why Larry Scott that. wanted to add Texas and Oklahoma. Yeah, exactly. That's why he wanted to add. He he knew that. There's just very little anybody can do beyond, I guess, getting somewhat creative with a TV deal that ensures that your biggest games are played at a good time on a network that everybody has and everybody knows how to get to. I don't know if it's streaming. I don't know if it's you know over the air network TV, cable TV, whatever. But the Pac-12 needs to do a much better job of selling its own product and that doesn't fall on the next commissioner that just that falls on ad's and presidents and chancellors hiring good coaches and ponying up for assistant pools and recruiting budgets and doing the things that are 10-year plans not three-year plans yeah and the the other thing is and this ties into to what i wrote last week about the pressing the reset button on college football because the the main reason I, i wanted to kind of centralize things is i wanted there to be one central government, one central authority figure that when stuff hits the fan, that person can go to the conferences and right. say, hey, listen, I realize, Big Ten, you, you're thinking about postponing. Okay, how about we all pause, and in two or three weeks, we'll all come back to it and make that decision together. Is that okay? And and But have that person do that. But the other, my ulterior motive for that is to create a single-seller situation. Because I've always been fascinated by how much more money the NFL makes than college football on television. Uh, it, part of it is lots more people watch the NFL, and that's perfectly understandable. Mm-hmm. But the money per viewer is very different. The NFL money per viewer is much higher. Why is it much higher? Because there's only one place to buy professional football from the NFL. Yeah. They sell a portion of it to CBS, a portion of it to, to NBC, a portion of it to Fox, and a portion of it to ESPN, and make those people bid against, like, climb all over one, each, one another to get it. So mm-hmm. if you got all the leagues together and you said, now I am the single seller of premium college football, ESPN, you can have this much. Fox, you can have this much. We're going to sell it all, right? but we're going to make you fight for it. Price goes up. Yeah. Everybody gets more. Now, maybe you... 
you give the SEC and the Big Ten more because they're worth more, but everybody would get more. I think so. I, I think the, the problem, if I'm poking holes, because it, it sounds good, is when you have single seller, you're also dealing with sub-governments in the same way that like FIFA with the different international leagues and the World Cup and the different tournaments or the IOC. You have Olympic committees for every single country and you have the IOC lording over everything, setting some standards and obviously running the Olympics. The problem is when you have like the mini governments and well, then the, the overlord. The, the problem is the problem is would the SEC and the Big Ten go for that? Because they they, right. li- they like the gap being where it is now. now of course, life is gravy the, right now. What, for those what you what you use is the same hook you use with anybody for anything. You can get more. Yeah. The gap may close a little bit, but you will have more than you have now. And more is always yeah. more. I mean, what's <laughs> what's good for the sport is good for the SEC and good for the Big Ten. If more people are watching the sport, then the TV contracts for the postseason go up, for the regular mm-hmm. season go up, and it's just going to be on the backs of the SEC and the Big Ten. That's right. the only thing. Right. They are they are assuming that burden. In, in the way that Alabama subsidizes Vanderbilt or Ohio State subsidizes Purdue, it'd be the same. The SEC would be subsidizing the Pac-12. Right. They'd have to decide they wanted to do that. They're not going right. to... They have to enter into that willingly. But I would argue... That the way this continues to be a cash cow sport that, that people really love from coast to coast is you got to keep everybody engaged across the country. That's been yes. one of my problems with the 14 playoff is it essentially tells everybody west of the Rockies, you can stop worrying about football in October. And yep. I don't think that's good for the game. I don't think that's good for the, no. the money of the people involved in the game. So if they can figure out a way to do that and, and they're willing to accept that that gap may shrink somewhat, but they'll still get more, then maybe they can do it. But Dan, when I'm commissioner of the Pac-12, and it's going to happen soon, <laughs> before I get fired, Look, which just, will probably happen within the first nine months, <laughs> uh, yep. I will make sure you're, you're appointed commissioner of college football. See, all I really want, I don't want that. I just want, when you get the Pac-12 job, I just want to be able to expense lunches with you in Scottsdale, oh, in San Francisco, in Portland, Absolutely. in East LA. Yeah. That's I, I all was, I care about is advisor, special advisor to the commission. I was reading an That's LA taco ranking story and I thought, Dan oh and I God. need to go to these places. I have, this is true, I have dreamt, and I don't know when the next national championship in which everybody's going to be traveling to the national championship is going to be in Southern California, but I want to rent a bus and go on a media taco tour. I want to go, I call it the Taco Corridor, up and down <laughs> the east side, this go to Boyle Heights. Amazing. This is this is perfect. I will bring the drinks. I will yes. help you rent the bus and we will make this happen. It's mandatory sweatpants. <laughs> and oh, of course. I mean tacos are probably the best crawlable food. If you think about it, no question. I mean, corn tortillas aren't that heavy. Mm-mm. You can vary your meats. You can vary your consumption based on the type of taco. You want to do two fish tacos here and only one taco at this steak place. Great, cool, no problem. They're oh. the best crawlable food. I, I'm, we got to start planning this now. I'm ready. It's, it's never. I, mean, t- I don't. When is the next national championship? In two years, I think. Two, maybe two years. It's an indie this coming year, and then and then two years. So I, I think we may be back to something resembling normal by then. I hope so. Uh, we, we will rent the bus now. I will start 
perfecting my margarita recipe, it's going to happen. An igloo cooler of margaritas at the front. <laughs> That's all I ask. That's why he's going to be the commissioner of college football, folks. He's full <laughs> of great ideas. Dan Rubenstein, thank you so much for joining us. 